You are experiencing the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty, where we are bringing you the people and the organizations fighting for liberty around the country and in your region. And we'll hope that will inspire you to do the same. Um, if you'd like us to do a show focused on your region, just send comments to our uh, Facebook.com uh, Knuckleheads of uh, Liberty or send an email to knuckleheads at knuckleheadsofliberty.com. And so today we're going to be talking, uh, we're, we're actually going to be kind of shifting over to the state of Maine and talking to um, Alan Esposito. He is a city councilman or counselor uh, uh, for District 4 in the city of Hamden. Um, but before we get into that, let me introduce you to the rest of our panel. In our lower left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in Liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. And uh, in our lower right-hand corner today, we have Alan Esposito. And my name is Jason McPhee, and I'll be your host. Um, so let's uh, jump into the show. And as we do, uh, James, maybe our invisible hand, James, can you bring up the visual? So uh, here is the uh, Hamden... Uh, city council page and i wanted to give you all a quick snapshot of what's going on in maine as far or as far as sort of the state of liberty there so we kind of all know where we're at and everything so uh we have maine up here and they're actually listed back in uh um the last time cato updated their freedom map uh as 34 out of 50 so doing a heck of a lot better than california but not doing well overall <laughs> so, so uh and uh, you can kind of see this is our overall chart on that and uh um, this is sort of uh what the yeah they disaggregated a little bit apparently they're doing pretty well in personal liberties but uh, some of the other stuff leaves a little bit to be desired as far as the political split on the senatorial side, they have sort of a middle-of-the-road Republican and an independent, and the rest of the stuff seems to be mostly shifting toward Democrats. They got a few representatives that are Democrats, and then um, at the uh, state government level, it's uh, mostly Democrats, and uh, also in the legislature as well, it's uh, skewed toward Democrats uh, as well. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an eyeball of what's going on there. So, Alan, uh, tell us, how did you decide to, you know, uh, get involved in politics there? And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, I guess what got you interested? Why did you decide to join the fight for liberty? So uh, I can say that I'm proudly one of Ron Paul's converts. So I voted for Dr. Ron Paul in 2012, voted for Gary Johnson 2016, proudly got to speak and be the master of ceremonies for Dr. Jorgensen when she came to Maine for 2020. Uh, that's when I, at the time, I was the chairman of the Penobscot County Libertarian Party. And uh, I personal liberty is something that I hold near and dear to my heart. I, I think personal liberty and the non-aggression principle go hand in hand, and one cannot exist without the other. So uh, I, I live to preach the gospel. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's cool. And, you know, one of the things we always like to ask our guests, too, is it's, it's not the norm for people to believe these types of ideas about liberty. I mean, a lot of people, they go through the government schools and they think government's the solution to all problems. So it's a little bit, you know, kind of an odd thing for somebody to come around to these ideas of Ron Paul and others. What rang your liberty bell? How did you sort of wake up to these ideas? I was on active duty in the United States Army at the time, and I had already been deployed to Iraq for 12 and a half months. And I, uh, you know, I when I was a young man, I, I bought into the ideas of we've got to keep the fight 
over there so it doesn't come back over here. And I I had felt that at first, but then I kind of looked back at my service with a little bit of regret and remorse. And, you know, I'm always thankful for the people that I served with and everything else. But that's when I knew I was wrong and how I felt was wrong. And I didn't want to feel bad. So I wanted to attach some sort of meaning and purpose to the service I had given because I did other things on top of just deployed to Iraq, which did service the public. But that was the one that stuck out the most. And that was I just wanted to find that meaning and find that purpose. And and liberty really drove that home. So do you think do you think the projection of of the um, United States military might is is fundamentally wrong or morally wrong? wrong fundamentally or morally wrong no however fundamentally twisted yes uh, i think i i've always been a fan of speak softly but carry a big stick so you know the the fact that we're in so many different countries deployed to so many different areas that we don't frankly should be involved with uh if it were me i'm your typical libertarian of wanting to abolish the Department of Homeland Security, bring 90% of those deployed forces home to protect the homeland versus, and then slash billions of dollars out of the budget instead of having billions of dollars in additional operating costs to operate in countries that we have no business being in. Yeah, you so, know, and, and, and well, hold, on, hold on just a second, Leon. I, I just wanted to jump in on this topic that you're on. Um, and we just brought this up the last show. So I, I just wanted to say, James, could you bring up the visual here? So this kind of gets into what you're talking about, about Twisted. I, 750 bases in 80 countries, 173,000 troops in 159 countries. Yeah, I guess, is that what you're talking about, about being that twisted? That is exactly what I'm talking about. There, there are some of those countries... And, you know, the United States is famous on falling on its face for, you know, we're operating in places that we have no business being in. There was a, a perfect example of that was I think it was 2012 um, when Fitbit really came into their own. They used to have a map, a heat map on their website that showed uh, where users were using their product on their website. And the country of Oman lit up like a Christmas tree. We didn't have anything formally in place with Oman. And so that led to questions and everything else. And then it came out, we were operating out of Oman. And it was because service members were using Fitbits. And that kind of told told on the United States. So just... Uh, you know, and this this is kind of one of the points, I guess. I'm sorry, Leo, I'll let you jump, and I promise right after this. But you said Oman. I don't even know where Oman is on the map, and the fact that you're saying it lights up like a Christmas tree with our our footprint on. <laughs> I feel it's like this is this is what's happening with the everybody. It's in the Middle East, okay. Jason. Somewhere in the Middle East, the yeah. Arabian Peninsula. Arabian Peninsula. That's right. Okay. okay. So, Alan. Um, I think you would agree that there's evil in the world, and that some of and some of this evil do um, project some some mighty armies. I have to say. So, what do you think that we should do about that, or should we be doing anything about the evil in the world? Well, uh, I'm going to follow the non-aggression principle for for decision making. I follow I follow the NAP in my everyday life. I want to make sure that what I'm doing doesn't or uh, limit inflicting any damage on anybody else. I'm not out to set, violate anybody's life, liberty, or property, and I want, uh, but I want the most moral morally out of my life. So, uh, if, are are you referring? Are you or inferring about something like Russia and Ukraine? Is that what I'm to understand? Something like that, yes. Okay, so 
uh, Russia and Ukraine, it's, it's easy to feel apathy for the Ukrainian people because they're the victims in all of it. They're the victims of their own government. They're the victims of the businesses that operate in Ukraine and their shady dealings and whatever, what have you. Um, mm. And they're, they're victims of the Russian incursion. Okay. Yes. Russian, Russia invaded a sovereign nation that had no business being inside of. Now, to that end, Ukraine is not a NATO partner. They haven't been a NATO partner. Really, the U.S. The US is partially responsible in the fact once the Soviet Union fell, didn't we encourage Ukrainians to give up all of their nuclear weapons? We did, yes. The nuclear administration, yes. And the United and the U.S. operating policy is mutual uh, assured mutual destruction. And uh, had Ukraine been able to have that backbone, I'm willing to bet pennies to pesos that Russia probably wouldn't have invaded Ukraine had they still had nukes in Ukraine. So uh, it's poor policy making by the United States and encouraged poor policy making. But uh, we have a hand in it, but not enough to go and cost U.S. lives. Uh, and not breaking the bank to the extent that we are and putting the burden on the American people. Well, it's funny. So it where, like so, oh, so, sorry, I was just going to say, it seems like the only good news this is, is for the military industrial complex. <laughs> they're the, they're the only I ones mean, if you're Raytheon, are, Halliburton, any of these large defense contractors, absolutely. I'm probably going to get waxed, but whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so, a town so, counselor so in the middle of nowhere. Nobody cares. <laughs> not, not too small for uh, Hillary's Christmas card list. I'm only like four hours from Martha's Vineyard, so I better be careful. <laughs> so, so Alan, where would you where would you draw the line? I think you would. We could all agree that um, if we invaded, then we have to fight. There's no doubt about that. But um, where do you draw the line in terms of us beyond beyond our borders? Oh, is the airline? So uh, the fact that we have already established relationships with things like NATO, you know, uh, those aren't things that are going to go away easily. Those are things that we're obligated to participate in. And, you know, you know whatever governing body, I, I'm not sure which one it is, if it's Congress or what. I believe it's Congress that ratifies treaties and alliances and whatnot. But so yes. if Congress ever decided to dissolve their membership with NATO, so be it. But until then, we're a NATO member and we have to support every inch of NATO, which is Article 5 deems. So, you know, we hold up to our obligations. But to that end, uh, our NATO partners need to hold up to their obligations as well, whether that be financially, militarily, et cetera. Okay. okay. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and it's more, I guess, for people who are listening and they want to figure out, you know, what they can do uh, in their community. And that's, since you've been elected, what have you been able to do to, to kind of promote liberty or to get the word out? I, I guess, what kind of a difference do you think mm -hmm. you're making in your community? It's, you know, there are days where I feel like I can I can see I'm making measurable success. And then there are days that are why the hell do I bother? <laughs> so it's, it's it's like imagine like a scatter chart and you're just plotting different things like, oh, one day you're up here and then the next day you're way down here. 
So it's it's all over the place. You can see where the needle is like things like personal uh, property rights. I am avidly hungry on property rights. I do not want government intervention. Property taxes are high enough as it is in the state. So I, I don't want an increase to the to the mill rate if I can help it. I don't want to to strain the people. I want Hamden to be a, a business friendly place. Like we just recently, we're going to be bonding out. Uh, a sewer project for multiple millions of dollars to be able to build up an area that there are many large company, medium and large companies that are hungry for us to develop because they want to come to Hamden. Compared to everybody else, we have a lower mill rate. We have fairly lower taxes. So they they want to come here, but they're, so we're going to bond that out. That's something that I feel like I've been contributing towards because I'm for it. I want business to come here because obviously businesses pay more in taxes locally than uh, individuals do so it's going to lower the tax rate on citizens i'm okay with, uh, i can live with that at the end of the day but um there are there are numerous other things that are things like uh you, you i you might have heard of this already and you're going to hear more about it it's called form-based code have you heard of this form-based code no, no. I, I would really urge you really urge you guys to look up form based code and its roots because it's all if you if you really want to put your tinfoil hat on it's all derived around agenda 21 but that that's the the part that nobody says out loud <laughs> so uh it everything is standardized there's no room for flexibility this is it and, and, and by the way just for our listeners agenda 21 is this sort of like um the un's uh you will own nothing and be happy <laughs> Is that, yeah, is that what we're talking about? Yep. Okay. The yep. socialist yep. utopia. The socialist utopia. Yes. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> and some of it, when uh, we had it presented to us by our town planner, he floated. It, he, there were some nice parts and some appealing parts to it, but then there was the part that didn't get say out loud, and I don't yes. think that was a diversion on his part. I was just thinking that uh, that's going to be less appealing to people. So. Uh, Things like form-based code is coming. If it's not here already, it's coming to a town near you. So please be weary of it. On top of that, a lot of left-wing state governments are pushing towards form-based code as well because then it gives the state uh, ample flexibility if they need to adjust or tweak laws. So that way it, it can tuck right. It's, it's, it's a nasty little little uh, little bed buddy. So. Form so based what do you call it? What is the name of this thing? It's on foreign, foreign based form, code, is what he said. Form, F O R M, form based code. Form based code. Okay. Yep. Let me, let me ask you something. Yep. Okay, let me ask you something. So I think it's as well established politics is the art of compromise. So, how much of your principles do you have to compromise to try to get anything done as a councilman or as a so council, I guess? Fantastic question. So th this one is, uh, I've bitten the bullet. I'll say there are times where I've bitten the bullet where it's not what I believe, but it, the people in, in town, they want something or they're, they're requesting something. If, uh, if they are coming to me, I'm going to do it. Uh, I represent people in a district. What they say matters more than what I think and feel. So I, uh, I I really try to put them first. And so there are times where I have just bitten the bullet and I'm like, you know what? It's not about me. It's about them. This is what they want. This is what's going to happen. Hmm. Okay. 
You know, one thing I wanted to uh, jump back on something you said earlier as well, um, and I just wanted to clarify it. And I'm, I'm sure you know that what you meant is sort of the libertarian way of saying it. But sometimes people, especially if they're conservative, they hear something different, I guess, or, or maybe if they're on the left. And you said we want to be business friendly. And when you say we want to be business friendly, um, I assume you mean just sort of get government out of the way, but not like you know crony capital. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Exactly. No. So yes. I, I don't use I don't believe in the term crony capitalism. OK, there's a difference between capitalism and corporatism. I don't believe in corporatism. Get government and, and private industry out of bed with each other. That's corporatism. Absolutely disgusted and against it. So this is just trying to make it on top of like this the sewer project, for example. There's also uh, actual homes and developments and stuff up this way, too. So instead of them having to rely on maybe uh, their wells and whatnot, which fortunately we've had a lot of rain this year, but other years we haven't. So now they're going to get actual uh, like uh, pipe and plumbing run to their house so they can uh, tie into it and be part of like our, our sewer, for example. So it's not just uh, businesses that are going to benefit from the areas where they want to build up. It's also going to be constituents. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, well, you know, and this is something confronting, I guess, everybody who wants to make a difference in their community. But what were the challenges in running for office for you? Was it, uh, you know, was there a lot of expense? Did you get help from the Libertarian Party? Uh, <sighs> so you're, you're going to hate the story. Are you ready? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I ran unopposed. So... I'm up for re-election this November, and I know that somebody's already taken out paperwork and, and whatnot, and uh, I'm up for re-election this year. So uh, I have my paperwork. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to turn it in yet or not. I haven't come to that decision. I have some other things. To, to, I have to keep the agency out of this, but I also work for the federal government. So there is – I have to keep them apart because of the Hatch Act and everything. So I have a lot of responsibilities also working for the federal government that I have to attend to. Uh, but I, uh, I, I had about $700, $800 set aside. I had signs purchased. I was prepared to do an every-door direct mailing around my district, which I encourage everybody. Every-door direct mailing is a fantastic tool. Uh, but – I, I was I had about 800 bucks and I, I wasn't going to ask for help because I make a decent living and I didn't need help fronting it or whatnot. So I wasn't going to ask the Libertarian Party for help. I just I had their blessing because obviously they wanted me to uh, they wanted me to be part of the, this governing body. But I, uh, I was just prepared to, to go at it myself. Were they a good source of advice and information, at least guidance, even if not resources? I mean, was that something that helped you out? No, but communication, they were helpful. So if I needed something put out to uh, the Penobscot County Libertarian Party page, for example, has a little over 4000 followers. And which when you look at the analytics of the page, like 90 plus percent of them are local to Penobscot County. So it helps to be able to reach local people in the masses and uh, just to have them be able to put something out. Hey, you know, if you're looking for another option, check out Alan Esposito for Hamden Main Town Council, things like that. So how 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 receptive do you find your constituents and people maybe in in other parts of Maine? How the how um how receptive are they to your message of liberty and libertarian principles? Well, let me ask you, Leon. Have you ever been to Maine? No. Okay, so Maine is is 
two very different states. Obviously, we split our electoral college vote to either 4-0 or 3-1, but Maine is two different states. Everything south of the capital, Augusta, swings very far left. Everything north of Augusta, with the exception of the Bang- of Bangor, swings very far right. So it's it's a tale of two Maines. So it really depends on if I talk to somebody in rural northern Maine, you would think that I was some extremist who wants to legalize cannabis for everybody and allow prostitution. Or if you go down to um, southern Maine, like the Portland area, and I have a don't tread on me flag sticker on my pickup truck, you'd think that I'm racist and out to lynch people like it's there's no in between. There's no reason the state is very divided, and I I don't know what – I don't know how the poison comes out of the well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It feels very much like the, the country in general. <laughs> yeah. So I'm either just I'm either just a Democrat that, that loves guns or a Republican that likes weed. It doesn't matter, and I don't, I don't use marijuana or anything, but that, that, that's what I get pegged for being. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is your um, biggest – oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Leon. So in, in terms of your 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 growth in a, in a libertarian philosophy or in some of your, your readings and background, did you run across some of the more popular readers, libertarian type readers who who have kind of guided and, and developed some of your thoughts about libertarianism? Yeah. So uh, if you're talking libertarian author or literature, Anne Rand, obviously the mother of modern day libertarianism, that's where I'm going to yes. start. So her favorite book of mine is The New Intellectual. And yes. it, it that book, have you read it? No, no, I've okay. read an excerpt of it, but I've never read the book so itself. That book, it just comes out swinging. I love that book. So it talks about essentially back at the time of Genghis Khan, how there was, you had Genghis Khan, who was the, the bloodthirsty strength ruler. And then you had the witch doctor. He helped control the, the minds of the people in, and helped keep them in line. He gave them the religious part while Genghis Khan gave them the strength and protection part. Both of the two hated each other, but they both needed each other to enable to hold control. And that's the perfect example of the two-party system. So the book just comes out swinging like that. I absolutely love it. So if you haven't read it, The New Intellectual by Ayn Rand. But uh, I would also say for like helping to drive and, and, and educate people on libertarianism and the liberty movement. I was a part of, I was a plaintiff in the lawsuit here in the state of Maine for the last five, six years. Uh, we sued to get the Libertarian Party to be a recognized party in the state of Maine, and we won finally. So that just happened earlier this year. But so I was a plaintiff in that lawsuit. I gave testimony as to, you know, you know, Republicans love free speech until they have to compete against it in a debate or uh, <laughs> same with Democrats, no different. So we, we get accused for stealing votes when just both parties' ideas are just god-awful. So uh, that was that's one of my biggest con- contributions to liberty in the state of Maine was helping to make sure that that came to fruition. So so what um, in Maine is – right now there's a, a small wave of school voucher programs that are developing in various states – Throughout yes. the country, the most the most prominent of it is in Arizona. Is mm-hmm. is there anything like that happening in Maine right now? <sighs> the voices are out there, and that's uh, I, that's one that I've heard a lot of people on the right that are are pushing for so far. Legislators, and I, I, I'm not willing to say who, but I even know a couple legis- people in the Maine state legislature that are actual elected Democrats who are for school choice as well. 
So I think that COVID has really kind of shook people on their beliefs, both on the left and the right, when it comes to public education. And I think yes. in the next five five to 10 years, you'll really start to see a paradigm shift in public education. I'm hoping at least. I mean, yeah, I think so. So I, I was just going to ask, I mean, based, based upon your last comment, I, I kind of know where you are in school choice. But um, philosophically, do you, do you have any sort of problems with the government funding it but not but not actively managing the schools i had a i had a constituent come before me because he was upset about some certain literature that was found in the school library and he asked me what i was going to do about it and i said i wish i could defund the department of, of education but i just can't i don't have the power because that would be the absolute first thing i would do <laughs> is defund the department of education absolutely yeah. Hey, I, the, the, the Department of Indoctrination. What's the difference between education and a doctor? A doctor, when they go to cut out the cancer, they go to the source of the cancer, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is. I, I think this is kind of the source of our country's cancer. Yes. Um, yes. But you know, I, I did want to steer the the conversation back, uh, at least uh, for our audience on public access. Just a few more things about uh, uh, the mechanics of, of what you do there in in Maine, and, and so I wanted to find out: Are there any challenges that you face just being a legislature there, or I mean, not a legislator, but a councilman there in uh, in, in Hampton? Yeah, but it's a, it's a labor of love. You, I, I absolutely enjoy doing it. I love the people, uh, whether they I agree with them or they agree with me. They're all worth it. They're worth my time. They're worth my effort. I enjoy doing it. So there are challenges. I uh, uh, this is a, a a council that it's nonpartisan, so you don't run on a party platform. But everybody has their political biases, right? So I I tend to split things more than I should, just because I am the way I am, and I know that can upset some of my compatriots on the council and I love all of them dearly. So we, uh, we've had some challenges and then, um, recently a couple months ago, unfortunately, our, our mayor passed away. He had complications of a surgery and he didn't make it. So his seat is vacant right now. And we have a, we have a mayor in place and a deputy mayor, but, um, uh, so that, kind of creates more of a divide in the council and it's been a bit of a sore spot. So, uh, it, I feel as though that before when it was three on one side, three on the other and myself, that's and that's just my assumption. I'm not saying this person is or is not in the affiliated with this party, but it just when you the way we vote, the way we discuss argumentatively, I can deductive reasoning kind of get an idea of who's where uh, I, I feel as though that some of that discussion and is missing when it's more leaned one side. So uh, I don't think anybody really enjoys one party politics unless you're the one party who it is. So uh, the debate, the spirited debate, that's that's the driving body of any body of any dais of, of any legislature. Well, and then one other thing I wanted to ask you, too, before we get to the end of our time with public access, and that's it. Do you have any any lesson or anything you've learned from your experience that you think is an important message that you'd want to share with anybody out there who's thinking of running for office? Absolutely. Uh, you're going to encounter things that you never dreamed of. You're going to if you run for public office, if you run, I don't care if you're running for dog catcher, your town or city council, whatever you're running for, it's worth it. You're going to encounter challenges that you never could have dreamed of. And you're going to meet people that you might not normally associate with. And you get the, the opportunity to learn how to bridge the gap and the divide and do it in a setting in, which is professional and proficient. 
Awesome. Well, you know, at this point, I just wanted to uh, let our audience know on public access that uh, our time is up with you guys. So we're going to be breaking away. Um, but uh, you can still follow it. We're still going to be talking with uh, Alan about some other things going on in Maine um, and get his opinion on some of those. Uh, so there's definitely more to hear. And if you want to check that out, uh, go follow the conversation on either Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, or Rumble and look for Knuckleheads of Liberty and and you'll be able to find this conversation or um, other conversations we've had with other people uh, fighting for liberty. And uh, it, by the way, leave comments. We enjoy that. And, uh, you know, so we'd love to hear from you. Um, so at this point, I think we're going to cut away. Uh, but uh, stay tuned for the next one. Yes, indeed. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness always and forever. Thank you for listening to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Find us on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, your favorite podcast network, and at knuckleheadsofliberty.com.